0: Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Today's Gospel reading is the beginning of the Farewell Discourse, Jesus' final message, told over three chapters in John to the disciples who have been closest to Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. The time is drawing very near for him to leave them. Naturally, they feel confused, scared, troubled. That word troubled, or tarasso in the Greek, is the same word used to refer to Jesus in three other places in John's gospel. In chapter 11, verse 33, When Jesus sees Mary of Bethany weeping over the death of her brother Lazarus. In chapter 12, verse 27, when Jesus speaks to his heavenly Father about his death and whether or not he can endure it. And in chapter 13, verse 21, when Jesus foretells that one of his own will betray him. This kind of trouble is not only related to sadness. But also to agitation or disturbance in the face of the power of evil and death. This farewell discourse is Jesus' last chance to remind his disciples to whom they belong, in hopes that after he is physically gone from them, they will remember what he said. It is a reminder to them to stand firm in their faith even if evil and death seem to be winning, to not let their hearts be troubled. But we humans are thick-headed sometimes. We have a hard time not worrying about things we don't fully understand. The disciples were no different. And so Jesus makes them a promise In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. Abodes, rooms, resting places. Prepared for each of us by Jesus Christ himself. But the disciples still don't really understand what Jesus means. Thomas says, How can we know the way without you? Jesus replies, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. Thomas doesn't yet understand that Jesus is the way. The way that includes not only the cross, but also leads toward resurrection. Philip says, Show us the Father. Or in other words, give us proof or the truth. He doesn't know that they have seen the truth, the Father in Jesus. And as for the life, I paraphrase Julian of Norwich. God made us. God loves us. God keeps us. Doesn't that sound like life abundant? And instead of chastising or berating Philip and Thomas, Jesus remains compassionately engaged with them, knowing that their questions are really more likely cries of desperation and lament. Maybe that is why the first six verses of this passage are also special to us as Episcopalians because we hear them quite often in the burial rite. Why do we use them for the burial rite? Not because they sound pretty, but because these are some of the most compassionate and comforting words in all the Bible. And Jesus himself speaks them to his friends. These words hold comfort and compassion for friends and family who have suffered the death of a loved one, who are experiencing that Tarasso kind of trouble, agitation, confusion, those who may be crying in desperation or lament. These words help us to remember that Jesus has gone ahead of us to the Father in heaven. To prepare a place for each one of us, a place where each of us can rest from our troubles. The way lately has been harder than usual. It doesn't show signs of getting much better very quickly. But we have to remember that we are not the first ones to go down a difficult road, nor are we going down this road alone. Jesus has already made this journey. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he walks it with us now. It's comforting to know that Jesus has felt the same pain, suffering, and tribulation that we do. And I think it's even more comforting to know that he will be waiting for us When we come to the end of our journey, remember what Jesus said. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. When I was a little girl, I spent a lot of time at my paternal grandparents' house in West Helena, Arkansas. It was a great little house. If all the doors were open, you could walk through almost the entire house in a big circle. There was a clawfoot bathtub, a pea gravel driveway, and for good summer sleeping, swings on both porches. There was a bowl of Brock's butterscotch discs on the buffet in the dining room, and homemade dill pickles in the refrigerator. The house was filled with the smell of my granny's fresh flowers and my poppy's pipe smoke. To this day, if I smell gardenias or pipe smoke, I am right back in that house. But my favorite room was the front room. It was a smallish extra bedroom, obviously in the front of the house. Outside the window was a giant magnolia tree, which shaded that room perfectly in the summer. The room was always the perfect temperature, at least in my memory. Cool in the summer, thanks to the shade of the tree, and warm in the winter, thanks to the floor furnace just outside the door. I spent countless hours in that room, sitting on the floor Reading the many books on the shelves. It was quiet. It was safe. It was cozy. But it was more than that. It was the place where my little girl troubles, and there were a couple, disappeared for a while. The place I was able just to abide. It is the room I imagine waiting for me in heaven prepared just for me by Jesus the Christ. We all have an abode, a room, a resting place waiting for us, a place where all our worldly agitations disappear, all our fears, confusion, suffering, and sadness, a place prepared for each of us by the one who loves us unconditionally who has known the same fears and suffering and sadness. The one who is not only waiting beside God the Father to take us to himself so that we may abide with him, but who also is right here beside us right now, sustaining us through this time of terrazzo, troubling, comforting us as only he can. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Amen.